And that's a fundamental difference. And that's where organizations really need to put the effort in to make sure that if they are going to invest money in these conferences and roadshows, is that they put that thought and effort behind it to make sure that the people do connect with the messages. Otherwise, it is just a waste of money. Welcome to the Tales from the Treehouse podcast. This show is powered by Missing Link, who has been saving the world one board audience at a time. So if you are looking for extraordinary results, then you have come to the right place because we are about to take you on a journey of leadership that will rock your world. Hey guys, and welcome back to another edition of the Tales from the Treehouse podcast. I have with me in the treehouse, Don Packett, Keegan, and Kirsty. So how's it, guys? Hi, hi what's up? What's up? So you may be recognizing a very silky and sexy voice of <laughs> Kirsty uh, for the first time on the show. Welcome. Oh, thanks. Great to be here. So I suppose we should give some context. So uh, Don, would you like to do the honors? Around yes. The- Kirsty is honestly one of our favorite clients of all time. We've been working with Kirsty for about 11 years through different roles, different organizations. Kirsty's in the finance industry and we're not allowed to say company names on this thing. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just been an amazing, amazing ride. And it's uh, uh, we feel really honored to have her a part of this session here today. Yeah, thanks, Don. <laughs> what a great intro. Oh, yeah. I'll keep that. <laughs> There's no coming back. No, no. <laughs> Alrighty, so today we're going to talk about facilitation and the ultimate day two. So in the previous episode, we were talking about why your conference sucks, and we spoke about a whole bunch of cool stuff. So if you haven't checked that out, go and have a listen before you listen to this episode. Um, having said that, if you have listened to that, you've come to the right place. So... <laughs> Why does day two matter so much? Uh, And I guess the kind of point of departure here is that when you think about the kind of content that typically gets delivered on the first day of a conference, it's kind of on message. It's, you know, it's got an outcome that's, you know, associated or tied to it. But sometimes you hope that, yeah, exactly. Go and listen to that episode if you haven't listened to it yet. (laughs) (laughs) But um, but, uh, typically what tends to happen is on the second day, uh, things tend to get a bit diluted from a messaging perspective. Yeah, so, uh, you know, people have their groups together for conferences and day one you're doing a general review of the year gone by, uh, the strategy for the year going forward, whether you break that down by business unit or not is uh, up to all the different organizations. But on day two, then they realize, oh, we've got these guys together and we should do stuff with them. And the problem that we found, which is why we drove quite strongly in, in the facilitation side of things, is that they do stuff badly because it's not relevant to what was delivered on day one. But why does this happen? I mean, it kind of seems non, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why does that, or why does this kind of thing manifest in your view, Kirsty? Yeah, I think corporates and organizations and leaders just feel that they need to draw it out, that people would be interested to hear about whether it's business or it's about how they're going to apply it in a very structured, boring way, or whether it's death by PowerPoint. They actually just feel that they have to do it. Um, without knowing what the intent is behind it. Um, And from my experience, what normally happens is either if day one has been absolutely boring, a lot of people won't even pitch for day two. So you've got to be so careful in how you try and make sure that that day one covers what we've already covered in your first podcast, but that day two actually starts off at the point where you've got to get the people back. So I have to ask you guys, do we need a second day? I mean, is this not a a problem of legacy? So um, 
on day one is a lot of the, there is a point where people need to get information, right? So we talk about talk to and talk with. And day one is generally quite a bit of um, talk to because all the information sits with the leaders of the organization. So you're talking about results, where it's come from. Yes, people know their own targets and their own budgets and how they've done or whatever it is, but it's about sharing where the business is in totality, where the business and the leaders have decided where the business needs to go. So day two is then for us about getting everyone else on board um, to build that. Now, sometimes we talk about day one and day two is actually one day. So the morning we would refer to as the day one and then the afternoon would be day two. For example, it doesn't have to be a full day and a full day, but you want to include the guys. You want to galvanize these people to uh, building either content or getting them to buy into it a lot better uh, together. Uh, Keegan, you're one of the lead facilitators from Missing Link. I mean, when you look at day two and your experience, where do the guys go wrong and what kind of insights or tips do you think the guys should be you know, taking with them into the second day? So one of the first things that, and Kirsty mentioned it earlier, was actually deciding whether you should or shouldn't have a day two. If you don't need to, then don't do it. If it's not going to you know, meet the requirements for what, you, what the outcomes are that you want of the conference, then don't do it. But a lot of the time, Guys, do the important stuff and get to the point on day one and then do more of the fun, disjointed stuff on day two just because they have the guys there. They slept over and it ends up being quite a piss up on the first night and then guys are very disengaged on the second day, which for us is a major hassle sometimes. Mm. I mean, what kind of strategy should be adopted for a, a second day? I mean, if we're going to do a second day, let's make it truly amazing. This is about being fun, I suppose, and uh, educational at the same time. I suppose a large portion of the second day's focus is actually around team building, right? Right. So they'll do the... If day one, as Kirsty mentioned earlier, is crappy, you sort of have to feel like your next day needs to be fun to balance everything out. But they do the fun and irrelevant. Fun and irrelevant? Yeah, so they'll go doing stupid stuff, walking across a river, holding hands, singing Kumbaya. And that's a team, right? Um, fuck me. That is does not a team make, okay? It makes people holding hands, right? And then they're going to go back to work the next uh, on the next day or the week after the weekend, and everything's going to be back to normal because that's not team building. That's just holding hands. Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, how do you foster team building in that kind of a second-day context? I mean, you work with the Rube Goldberg principle. Maybe, Keegan, you can jump in and explain that. So... On day two, you mean most times, sorry, on day one, the guys get given information. And on day two, you want the guys to build information, take that information and use it in a way that can then change behaviors and change the actual needle of the business when the guys get back to work on Monday or Tuesday and following on from that. And that's why we use products such as the Rube Goldberg, where yes, you do want the guys to have fun, but you always want it to be relevant. And anything we do involves specific outcomes that come from it. So the Rube Goldberg would be it's a, it's a concept based years and years ago of many different parts of one machine that these guys have to build and it's got a specific outcome that comes at the end. But the whole premise around it is that each zone, which is guided by each team, has to play their part in order for things to work and for order for the main objective to be achieved. So it's kind of like a very overcomplicated set of... Uh, actions that lead to a single result, right? So I've seen this stuff on Facebook. In fact, this week, there was one Chinese, best one I've ever seen, actually. <laughs> but basically, this guy hits a table tennis ball onto like a drum. The drum moves, and then literally for 10 minutes, it's just a series of automated actions that right. winds up with the TV switching on and like some confetti exploding. Right, yeah. Because sometimes it's relevant, and sometimes it's just because it's fun. 
right? So we ensure that, that when we run these, it has to be relevant to the actual message which are trying to get the guys to buy into or deliver. Can we talk about multi-choice? Because I think there's an interesting story that I think we should share. With yeah, yeah, so that was the original one that uh, we started. We had uh, guys from multi-choice come to us with a brief and said, we want to piss our guys off. They were part of the change management team. They wanted to really drive uh, frustration because most people feel frustrated around change management and use that as a, as a metaphor for then the next phase, which is the debrief and then coming up with uh, uh, ways of fixing how we deal with these certain problems. So uh, we sat down, we said, what are we going to do? And then this whole Rube Goldberg idea uh, came up. Trev, who used to work for us, who's now tanning in Cape Town somewhere, I believe, <laughs> is um, uh, he was the one, we, we'd been gagging to do one of these and it was the perfect brief. And that's what we did. So we built the machine and there were rules and there were penalties and then there were different roles and responsibilities. And we really, we switched the project manager because everyone's got a, like an engineer and a developer and all this stuff. And we completely annihilated their program. And so I build a strategy and then we break it. And then they come up with another strategy and then we break it. So we really pushed to brief it. At one point, one of the guys, the project managers walked up to me as this big burly duchy. And he looked at me and he said, I know what you're doing. Because he saw, right? He knew exactly what we were trying to achieve with that, which was beautiful. It was, so, so for us, it was, you know, objective achieved. I mean, what do you think, when he said that, what do you think he was trying to imply more specifically? He knew we were building something that was an analogy for frustration and change. So I suppose if you think about a big bank or any big company, health, you know, pharmaceutical, whatever, this is a very frustrating environment. I imagine in some instances, right? If you want to create change in people, it's a very big, slow moving machine. And so these kind of workshops, I imagine, especially when you think about silos in the big corporate space, goes a long way to helping break down those kind of barriers in a team building context. Yeah. I mean, from my experience and Missing Link have helped us over various workshops designing it is that to make it more experiential so people actually go through the process not knowing what the outcome is even though they may be feeling uncomfortable but having some fun with it but with a serious intent behind it um, one of the things was the the manifesto machine I mean that was something where you know you take them through the process and the guys from Missing Link will be able to explain a lot better than me but uh, knowing the outcomes is that people put this manifesto together it's in their own words but yet they don't actually know that they're actually creating it and when you unveil it to them, they feel that they connected to it and they belong and then they own it. And that's a fundamental difference. And that's where organizations really need to put the effort in to make sure that if they are going to invest money in these conferences and roadshows, is that they put that thought and effort behind it to make sure that the people do connect with the messages. Otherwise, it is just a waste of money. Yeah, so I suppose this is about unpacking or identifying what the values are, right, of the business or the That's business it. units or the team potentially. I don't know, you know, I've just based on my understanding of how you work with manifestos and then defining from those values a set of actions, right, that can lead to new or desirable behaviors within the business. Yeah, and then they own it, you know, because it's their words. It's not a words coming down from a head office or, you know, the CEO. It's actually their words, so I guess what's really interesting for me is this, this kind of notion of collaboration. Depending on the size of the business, collaboration is really, I suppose, here very prominent, but in some 
bigger organizations, it becomes less so for obvious reasons, right? And when you think about collaborative gaming, which this, which is what this feels like to me, uh, you, you kind of win together, but you also lose together. Is that fair to say? Right. So um, the general silo mentality in businesses is it's one that's been enforced, unfortunately, where people have their own mandates, their own budgets, their own targets, their own everything. So you just have to get your shit done. Um, but it's difficult to share when you are, have your sole focus of doing what you need to do. So um, they, they put that to the wayside in terms of why knowledge sharing and working together is very important. So running a mass uh, gameplay, for example, playing collaborative games uh, helps drive that message with, with the guys. Keegan, what makes it work though, collaborative gaming? So the mechanic behind it of, and especially the games that we use is, you're playing against the game. It's not like Monopoly where one person wins and the rest of everybody else loses. It's about playing and winning together or losing together. So it's about that. And especially if you look at some of the businesses, you can't take your business and judge it on one division. You are marked by all the divisions together. So that is the premise that we use where you either win in general or you lose. Because if sales are completely losing, your business is can't be judged on you know just finance and that then the business is also going to look bad if sales is going bad so we use this where guys have to play towards each other's strengths they have to be absolutely transparent in the moves they're going to make deciding on what strategy to play next and we use it as an analogy to break down that silo mentality and think about the bigger picture think of the goal in mind and what your piece of the puzzle is on how you're going to reach that goal in whatever division you're in yeah i mean i guess what i find really fascinating about this principle of kind of collaborative gaming and how this can foster teamwork in any kind of business is the fact that you're kind of forcing them to collaborate, right? And unlike day one, which is kind of like, this is where we're going as a business and the war cry sort of thing, uh, you know, the second day is really a fantastic way to kind of drive this kind of collaborative change that you want to see in the business. Well, it's a bit of a trick. So because people are comfortable in knowing that the next day is going to be a bit of a team build, we do that. So so the, the premise feels like, oh, okay, this is another bit of a team build and we're having a duel, whatever we're running. However, after every single session, we always do a debrief. And then we, we get information from the audience and the players to say, so what did you learn from that? And we use the, 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 the uh, event as the lesson first, it says, so what did you learn about being a project manager? What did you learn about now that you realized you were an engineer in Forbidden Island and you weren't all the same? How did that change your strategy? And once we get all those lessons out, then we say, so how do we apply this to the business? Are we looking at the business correctly? Do we understand each other's strengths? Are we maximizing each other's strengths? Uh, and if the answers to those are no, and there's a ton of other questions, then there's shit to do. Right, And then so, so it'll help them when they go back to the business. And what's beautiful is when we run these sessions often and we do it as a game storm, for example, a smaller, which was, we spoke about the victory conditioning earlier, but people then start using the events as the real analogy. So they'll go, okay, so this is what we're doing now. This is a purple card, guys. And a purple card does X, Y, and Z. And they'll start using those words, which is beautiful because it's easier to see things. You know, we spoke about perspective uh, previously, easy to see things from a different perspective of using cards or names from a game and then you apply that this makes sense on a table now let's apply this to the business help me understand something are the guys just there for a bit of relevant fun and entertainment 
No, sometimes it is just to get them to buy into concepts. Other times, it's very important to get them to help drive the ideas, the concepts, the strategy. So the manifesto is a beautiful one where you're coming up with habits to drive back to the business. But there's also some functional uh, 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 tools and strategies that need to be put together. So we would often then run facilitations with groups on day two where day one you've built the strategy, day two is about, hey guys, how do we make this a reality? And then we run uh, either a divide and conquer process where they we work on specific areas of focus and then the guys go around different teams, they come up with ideas and they they build that, we present those ideas back. We, there are things like Dragon's Den, Shark Tank-esque kind of environments where you put them in teams, they come up with ideas, they come and they pitch, it's fun, it's engaging, uh, there's you know prizes for the best guys who either it's, it's fast uh, future or foundation into different categories and whatever. So you have to get the guys involved as well because damn, man, you've got the people there. Let's make use of that time. And I promise you, when people are asked to give of their time and they have value to add, you're going to get gold. Yeah, I guess the kind of key takeout here is that it shouldn't be random, right? No, it can't be random. It can be fun, but it can't. You have to have it well-planned. It's in the design. It's in the design of what you do behind the scenes is if you put enough effort into that, you'll get the results. So, so if I understand this correctly, it must be fun, but it must also be on point. 100%. Yeah. It has to be relevant from even the days that you started planning this, this conference because there's obviously some point that you're doing, the reason why you're having a conference. The planning from there all the way from day one through to day two and what we found most important is what happens after mm -hmm. the conference. What happens on the follow-up? How do you roll out that manifesto? How do you use the lessons in the room? Is there actually a change in the business? Has the conference been successful? And that golden thread, as Kerr said, from the beginning throughout the conference and the follow-up is absolutely important. If I understand this correctly, how, I mean, if we were to ask a question of our listeners to effectively create a litmus test around whether or not their day to format is actually on point or not, what would that question be? Absolutely, was it relevant? Right, it seems to be a solid thread we've been running since we started speaking to you. Uh, but it really is. If it wasn't relevant, it was a waste of time. And you need to, as we've said before, times it by the people and the number of hours and the potential loss of what could have been done with those that time spent. I think if it's not relevant, I can tell you from my experience, as people leave, they actually don't, they don't stick around. You'll see that they are so disengaged. They either leave the room, they're out the room, they're on the well, everyone's on their phones, but I mean, it's just, they are totally disengaged. So it's actually not, it's, it's worth putting the, the money and the effort in to make sure that it is relevant. Yeah, I think make sure that the guys aren't too bubbleless on, on day two, because <laughs> no matter what it is that they're doing, whether it is a big jaw, that there are going to be learning outcomes from that. And the guys have to take that to heart. And especially when you do the reflection, make sure that those lessons sink so that you can see the outcomes and the repercussions of those of those lessons in the future of your business. Cool, guys. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a great episode. I really thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you, um, Matt. And Thanks, Matt. Do better day twos, guys. Do better. And whatever you do, don't be shits. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, if you would like to save your audiences from boredom and for all your leadership needs, check out msnglnk.com.